Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Firewall's Don't Stop Dragons. We've got a nice little show for you this week as we come up on the Christmas holiday and uh, all the holidays of the season. And I uh, just wanted to cover a couple quick news tips, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of homework for your break. Uh, <laughs> more on that in a little bit. Just three stories I wanted to talk about real quick this week in the, in the news. Uh, first of all, uh, there was an article about uh, some more data breach, and it's not the kind of data breach we've seen recently uh, where a particular company got hacked. Uh, this was an, another case of a company with a whole lot of information on you and me who just left it sitting out there for anybody to find. We probably don't know who found it. Uh, if anybody found it, uh, some security researcher was looking around in the Amazon cloud storage facilities for businesses and ran across this massive treasure trove uh, of data on 123 million Americans. Just a crazy amount of data. And it was just sitting there completely wide open, unencrypted, ready for anybody to take. Uh, I'd if I had to bet, I'd say somebody probably found it because if I was a criminal at this point, if I was looking for some information or if I was a nation state looking to get some info, man, I'd, I'd be all over the Amazon cloud services just looking for anything sitting out there because this is not the first time that a company has just blithely put some things up in the cloud and didn't bother to lock it down. Uh, we've seen that at least a couple times this year. And uh, this this was a monster. Let me just read you a couple excerpts from this uh, article from a company called UpGuard. Uh, and it says this, on October 6th, 2017, UpGuard Director of Cyber Risks Research, Chris Vickery, discovered an Amazon Web Services S3 cloud storage bucket located in the subdomain Alteryx Download containing sensitive consu consumer information. While the default security set setting for S3 buckets would only allow specifically authorized users to access the contents, this bucket was configured via permission by, via permission settings to allow any AWS, quote, authenticated users, unquote, to download its stored data. In practical terms, an AWS authenticated user is any user with an Amazon AWS account, uh, a base that already numbers over a million users. Registration for such an account is free. Simply put, one dummy sign-up for an AWS account using a freshly created email address is all that was necessary to gain access to this bucket's contents. So this article goes on to detail all sorts of information. There's so not only were there 123 million records of stuff in here, it's supposedly anonymized, but there was another spreadsheet in the same bucket that if you put them together would really help you figure out exactly who these people were. And uh, this main, this main database, this main spreadsheet of information uh, based on uh, some information from a company called Experian, which is again, like Equifax, is one of the three big uh, credit agencies in the United States. These guys have unbelievable amounts of inf information on all of us, and they're selling it to third parties, in this case, Alteryx. And of course, Experian is blaming them, uh, Alteryx, for leaving this stuff uh, out there. But, you know, Experian's the one who collected this stuff and was making it, making it available. So there, there's definite culpability there as well. So, so not only... Where there are 123 million records of data in here, each of those records had 248 columns. So picture a spreadsheet that's 123 million rows long, and every one of those rows has 248 columns of data. Obviously, it includes things like you know address, zip code, 
state, uh, house number, city name, street name. It's got secondary addresses in there. It's got your latitude and longitude, phone numbers. Um, you know, that's just the basic information. You start looking down, it's got number of children living in there, number of people living in the house, uh, mortgage information, what kind of magazines you buy, you know, whether or not you're a religious contributor or a political contributor, um, just unbelievable amounts of data. Uh, and that's, was just sitting out there for anybody to get. Uh, I think it even has pet information, like what kind of pets you own. Oh, when is this going to stop? When are we going to figure out that this information just cannot be traded like this on the, on the, on the web without some sort of regulation? We've got to get this stuff figured out and we've got to get it figured out soon. Europe is way ahead of us on this with their GDPR, their general data protection regulations. Uh, this information is, well, unfortunately, a lot of it's already escaped. Um, so in that sense, it's almost too late. The cat's out of the bag, the horse is out of the barn, but it's just going to get worse as we collect more and more information on people. So, you know, get out there and tell your Congress people, tell your representatives, we've got to do something about data privacy. We've got to lock this stuff down. We've got to have real repercussions if this stuff gets loose. Right now, there's just, it just oh, well, sorry. Uh, here's a free year of credit monitoring. That That's pretty much where we're at. Now, of course, Equifax is being sued like crazy, and those lawsuits will take forever probably. Um, but in the meantime, all of our data is still out there and it's, it's just not being secured and there's no, there's not, not enough penalties and way too much gain, um, for these guys the the, the benefits far outweigh the risks. So these guys are going to keep doing it. There's just no incentive not to, and we're just gotta, we gotta figure that out. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, I've obviously I'm an Apple fanboy. I've, you know, I often recommend Apple products, uh, over, oftentimes windows products or specifically over Android products. When you're talking about smartphones, you know, so you got to take the good with the bad. And there was an article this week, actually Apple's been having a rough go of it lately. We had a couple, um, incidents in the last, uh, few months with both iOS and their regular, uh, Mac OS for the desktops. They're just horrible, horrible security problems. And of course they fixed them right away, which Apple's good at, but, and you know, software will always have bugs. I'm a software engineer. I know this. The more code you write, the more bugs you write. It's just the nature of the beast. But, uh, you know, so it really comes down to is how quickly these companies respond and 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 how much time they take to try to prevent them in the first place. Uh, Apple is usually fantastic at that. Uh, but somehow, somehow in this last few months, they've really dropped the ball in a couple of places. And, you know, they've done their best. But anyway, so anyway, my point is, yes, I'm biased, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, you got to take the good with the bad and you've got to report what's out there. So, uh, this week we saw a report about Apple slowing down their older iPhones. And of course this triggers all sorts of conspiracy theorists saying, oh, sure, sure. They're making their old phones perform worse so that they force people to buy new phones. And, uh, you know, you can think that, and maybe that is somewhat what's behind this, but it turns out that Apple fessed up to this and it's true. Uh, that Apple is actively slowing down older iPhones, but it's for a reason. So um, it's not as clear cut as it may sound. So let me read this. This is the actual uh, quote from Apple on this. Apple says, our goal is to deliver the best experience for customers, which includes overall performance and prolonging the life of their devices. Lithium ion batteries become less capable of supplying, of supplying peak current demands when in cold conditions, have a low battery charge, or as they age over time which can result in the device unexpectedly shutting down to protect its electronic components. 
Last year, we released a feature for iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, and iPhone SE to smooth out the instantaneous peaks only when needed to prevent the device from unexpectedly shutting down during these conditions. We've now extended that feature to iPhone 7 with iOS 11.2 and plan to add support for other products in the future, unquote. So let's unpack that a little bit. So basically what Apple's saying, if you recall, there was actually a, I don't know, everything is a gate thing now, right? Battery gate, I think was probably what they called it uh, a couple of years ago when um, all of a sudden Apple's uh, phones were having battery problems where they'd get down to even just 30% and then all of a sudden shut down. And what's really going on under the covers is these lithium ion batteries, um, you know, they, they're not perfect and they do age over time. And certainly as the demands for the, for, for, for the battery goes up um, and the batteries age, they were having some problems. So Apple, you know, in some cases replaced the batteries. Um, but what they ended up doing uh, going forward, apparently, according to this, was a software fix. And that is basically as these phones are getting older and the, in particular as the, the lithium ion batteries age, um, their performance goes down. And, and in order to stop the phones from just randomly shutting down uh, or losing battery really, really quickly. They basically put in a software fix that slowed down the phones in certain conditions to prevent that from happening. Now, personally, I've got an iPhone 6S and I've not noticed any slowdown whatsoever. Um, I'm not maybe a power user of my phone. Um, so, but I've not noticed this, but apparently a lot of people have, if you have an iPhone six or 6S and you're thinking, wow, it's all really slow all of a sudden, or it's uh, you're not, you're not imagining things. It's quite likely that that it, that it is slower than it used to be because you've got an older battery, and through a software update, Apple has made sure that your phone doesn't shut off out of the blue. So it's you know you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Um, now, what you could do, you don't need to upgrade your phone to fix this. You can actually, I think, Apple charges seventy five dollars for a battery upgrade. So if you just wanted to get a brand new battery in your phone and not have to upgrade, you can do that for a lot cheaper than getting a whole brand new phone. So uh, a lot of people probably don't know that, but I think they've got um, a very reasonably priced battery upgrade program. Just stop by your local Apple store um, or uh, go to an Apple authorized reseller or um, repair shop in, in your town. And uh, hopefully you can get you could take advantage of that battery replacement program. They may they may even do it by mail, which, of course, is not terribly convenient. Uh, I'm really spoiled. I've got two Apple stores in my town, so uh, I've got multiple places I can take it and get that done. But uh, anyway, so if you're noticing it's really slow and it's really bothering you, um, you might look into getting yourself a, a, an upgrade for your battery. All right, just one more little quick news item I wanted to cover because it's really important. Um, and that is that the Section 702, that which is the Surveillance Act uh, that has been in place for many years now, that was up for reauthorization this year. It's supposed to end at the. Uh, it's supposed to end um, at the end of 2017. It's supposed to sunset, is what they call it. Uh, we've talked about that on this show uh, just a couple months ago, um, but uh, the, the vote was supposed to happen this week. They thought they were going to try to ram it through on a on an end of the year funding bill, tacking this onto an end of the year funding bill. But thankfully, some of our representatives uh, who are looking out for actually looking out for us said that this goes too far, that they need to reform it and block that vote. So the vote was supposed to happen this week. It did not happen. Uh, it's been delayed. I'm not sure till when, but you still have time to contract your representatives and say that we need to seriously curb uh, the amount of mass warrantless surveillance that we're doing on our people. So uh, I probably would say that you're, that the voices that we've that have already spoken out have helped. 
So that your voice does matter. Uh, so contact your representatives. You can go to, if you search on, search the web for uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation and 702702, uh, you'll find the, the, the web page that the Electronic Frontier Foundation has on this, and you can find us some tools there to contract your representatives and just learn more about it. Um, of course, you can also go back and check out uh, our, our episode on that as well. Okay, so now, tip of the week. Actually, what I'm going to do is assign you some homework, and hopefully this will be fun homework. And uh, it's something that, I, that uh, I've mentioned off and on, but I wanted to kind of, you know, we've all got some extra time when they're on the holidays. Hopefully, hopefully you're getting some... You know, some time off work and some time with your family and some time just to kind of recharge and relax. So with that time, I'd like to suggest that you go out and learn some more about cybersecurity and learn about privacy and in a way that's fun and entertaining. I'm not going to, you know, tell you to read some really dry stuff. That's no fun. Um, I don't like that either. So uh, let me give you a few suggestions. I'd like you to uh, check these things out over break. You don't have to do all of them. Uh, depends on, you know, what you kind of like to do, what your learning style is, where you, how you like to consume information. I'll give you a few different options. If you like to uh, get visual with your learning and you like to watch documentaries, the, I've got uh, four of them here that I highly recommend that you go check out. Uh, first of all is one called uh, Citizen Four. And of course, this is the Edward Snowden story. And, um, this, this is the actual footage uh, of how things went down with Edward Snowden, with uh, Laura Poitras and Glenn Greenwald. And when he was, you know, first making his revelations and before that, when all the, the, the lead up to the, the amazing stories and things that came out based on the information that he uh, provided, you know, of course, obviously love, love this guy or hate this guy, whatever you th feel about him personally. And, and whether or not what he did was a criminal act or whether it was a whistleblower act and a patriotic thing, setting all that aside, just leave the politics aside because it's really important to try not to conflate the two. Uh, yes, what he did was extremely controversial and, and, and people can have a debate about whether it was right and how he did it or what he did. But the fact is that he did do it and did reveal some true facts about what our government has been up to. Um, and, uh, for that alone, it's worth seeing. And I think, I think it really humanizes Snowden to watch this video, just to understand what all went through and the risks he took to do this. So again, um, withhold judgment. Um, I, I would highly recommend you check out citizen four. It's a really good film. Now there's of course the Snowden film, which is highly dramatized. Uh, and I'm not sure how much of those facts, uh, I'm sure they took liberty with a lot of the facts. So if you just want to really learn about what happened, I would recommend you watch Citizen 4 and, you know, watch Snowden for its entertainment value, but don't watch it for its educational value. Uh, another one that I would highly recommend, and I think you can get this on Netflix now, is called Terms and Conditions May Apply. Uh, this is a really good uh, documentary about uh, privacy and all the data that's being collected on us. Uh, it's very well done. Uh, it's taken from the point of view of, you know, what are you agreeing to, you know, when those pop-ups come up and say, here's our licensing agreement. Do you agree to all this? And of course, how many of us ever read that? None of us. Right. Um, and so, uh, it talks about Google and Facebook and all the, and all these other companies and what they're doing to gather your information. It's very, very interesting and well done, um, and very eye-opening. So, uh, terms of condition may, may apply. I would definitely check that one out too. Now, if you're into hacking, um, or you're interested in how hacking works and how all, um, and, and how the bad guys are doing what they're doing. There's two really great documentaries I can recommend to you. Uh, one is called 2600. Um, and that is based on the 
260 hertz frequency that old time, uh, what they call phone freakers used to use to get free long distance phone calls back in the seventies. Uh, so it kind of starts with a little history of hacking, uh, and then gets into the much more relevant, uh, issues uh, about how hacking works today. So it's a, you know, it's a two kind of a two part thing. The first part is, um, a really interesting history of, of how hacking kind of came into being and how the original hackers were really just puzzle solvers and people trying to figure out how things worked and not really nefarious types. And then how it became a, a real business for, um, people who were trying to make money and steal money, uh, and steal, identif- uh, steal identities and all that sort of stuff in the future. So, uh, that's a very interesting documentary. I, I can highly recommend. And finally, this one called Zero Days. Uh, this one is this documentary is focused squarely on a particular piece of malware called Stuxnet, S T U X N E T, and that was just a name that the the researchers gave it. But it uh, basically Stuxnet was a state sponsored malware that was targeted specifically at Iranian nuclear centrifuges. The idea being, because obviously it's a nuclear facility, these things should be highly secure. And what they're usually termed is they're air gapped, uh, which is to say that they're not the the nothing. None of this was none of the um, highly sensitive computer stuff uh, is networked anywhere outside the the facility. So there should be no way to hack in from the internet. So they had to come up with clever ways of getting this malware into that system, and and they. I'm not going to give too much away, but they figured out a way to get get this malware in the system, even though those computer systems were not on the network, uh, and come up with some extremely clever, very malicious software that was designed to either take out or s- slow down uh, the Iranian nuclear program. Um, and so it's interesting on many, many levels. Um, for one thing, you know, it's highly suspected that the that the countries behind this were the United States and Israel, though neither one of them have owned up to this. And there's really no way to prove it necessarily, unless maybe a whistleblower were to come forward with some sort of proof. But um, we suspect it was the U.S. and Israel working together on this. Uh, And the politics behind this was very interesting. The the motivations behind this are interesting. And then the implications, you know, because this software did get out. And now, and and once you get the software, someone else can get a hold of the software too. And even though, you know, you might think the original intent of the software was good, you know, yeah, let's take out the Iranian nuclear program. That sounds like a great idea. Well, if this software, this amazing piece of malware gets out and gets into other people's hands, they can use it for other purposes. So it's, it's a really good documentary that kind of walks you through all that and helps you understand that it's not, it's not black and white. There's, there's a lot of issues involved with this and things that we need to be considering. So anyway, uh, zero days, that's another great, um, another great movie, another great documentary that I can recommend you watch. Now, if you're into reading, I got a couple of options for you there as well. Uh, first of all, two websites I want to point you at, um, that's got some really great stuff and it's kind of interactive content. So uh, you can tailor it more to what your specific uh, interests are. And it's a shorter read, obviously, than a full book. So uh, uh, I'll give you a couple uh, websites to check out. One is the EFF's Surveillance Self-Defense website. A lot of great information there about how to protect yourself from mass surveillance, guard your privacy, guard your data. Um, And it's written in a fairly, fairly easy to understand manner. Some of it's a little technical, um, but, uh, it's very comprehensive and it's well worth read. If nothing else to just to understand what all the issues are that are affecting everyday people. Uh, some of this is geared toward, you know, people like journalists and, uh, and, and folks with, uh, particular things that they need to keep private, but it's good for everybody. So I recommend checking out EFF surveillance, self-defense site. 
And another website that's much more geared toward the average person, I think, uh, is called Stay Safe Online. It's from the National Cybersecurity Alliance, uh, headed up by Michael Kaiser, who we talked with a couple times earlier this year. Uh, it's got some great content, and it's probably a little more, a little less technical and a little more straightforward and practical for the everyday person. I still recommend you check out uh, the EFO, EFF one as well, but uh, uh, Stay Safe Online has got some great resources, uh, not just for uh, regular um, adults, but for parents and children as well. And if you uh, like the long form, if you'd like to kick back with a good book over break, uh, I've got some great recommendations for you there as well. We've talked about some of these actually just recently with our Christmas episode, but I want to cover them quickly again. And the first one is Data and Goliath by Bruce Schneier. Bruce Schneier is a security researcher and uh, world-renowned security guru, uh, but he's also a great writer. Um, and he really does a good job of bringing these technical topics home in a way that makes sense. Uh, very powerful Um very powerfully put in Data and Goliath. And that, and that has to do with privacy and how information really is the new oil and uh, as far as a commodity that runs the planet. And uh, uh, your information is is like gold. It's, it's worth a lot of, it's worth a lot to, to, to various people out there, uh, not just marketers, but governments as well. Uh, and when, you know, when certain people in certain power positions have a lot more information about you than you have about them, that creates a, a power imbalance. And it's it's important. It's for society and democracy to understand that this is a really good book. So I would I would highly recommend if you're going to read one book, check out Data and Goliath. Uh, if you are interested in the Snowden thing but would rather read about it or get the full details, uh, then you should check out No Place to Hide by Glenn Greenwald. It's basically the book version of Citizen Four, but it goes into a lot more detail. Um, and, and talks about more implications about, um, what the Snowden revelations were. So if you want the long form version, uh, no place to hide is a great book. Um, and if you're, if you're, or if you watch citizen four and you thought that was great and you want to learn more, uh, I would check out no place to hide. Uh, also, if you'd like, uh, if you'd like to kind of learn through osmosis with a little bit of fiction, uh, I would recommend you check out a book called little brother by Corey Doctorow. We've talked to Corey on the show as well. And, uh, it's a great book. It's a very fun read. It's not very long at all. It's a, so it's, it's quick to, to digest. Um, and it kind of talks about a potential future where, and, and brings into light why security and privacy really do matter to a democracy and a, uh, not just at a personal level, but a, at a societal level. Um, and it does it in a way that's not beating you over the head with it. Um, but it's, it's, it's still good to understand. And, it, and I think it's, it's a great way to kind of dramatize, uh, the potentials for, for when, you know, mass surveillance, uh, becomes a real issue, um, and what you could do about that. So little brother's a great book. You can actually get it for free. If you want to just download the PDF from Cory Doctorow's uh, website called uh, crap hound, <laughs> uh, you can go to, so if you go to craphound.com, you can find it, you can find this book and all those other books for that matter, uh, listed there. Uh, but this book in particular, little brother can be downloaded for free if you just wanted to do that. Or of course you could always go to someplace like Amazon, uh, and shoot him a little money for that, for his efforts. And of course I can't find, you know, I can't wrap this up, uh, <laughs> without talking about my own book, but I, I'm not going to beat it to death. Just know that firewalls don't stop dragons is out there as well. Uh, it's got all sorts of great info, of, you know, all the things we talk about, uh, throughout this year, are basically covered in that book, uh, with step-by-step -step instructions and pictures and everything for both windows and Mac and Android and iOS, uh, covers all those topics, uh, even, uh, covers topics for, you know, protecting your kids and privacy and cybersecurity and you name it, it is in there. So uh, I can't, of course, go through a list of books to recommend to read without talking about that one. But I'm not going to beat it to death. Uh, I've talked about it multiple times. So 
Anyway, hope you are all having a wonderful holiday, and I hope you're having a safe and private holiday. Uh, and uh, next week, we're going to do a little bit of a year in review, and then I'm going to give you some potential New Year's resolutions for yourself, some things that you might resolve to do next year to uh, improve the privacy and safety of yourself and your loved ones. So stay tuned for that. I've got a whole bunch of recommendations for you next week. Basically, a one whole episode of Tips of the Week all crammed into one. So be sure to check that out next week. And uh, until then, curl up with a good book, curl up with a good movie, learn some more stuff. Uh, it's always good to know. And talk about these things with your friends and family when, when those social occasions come up. These are important things. Start some friendly debates. It doesn't have to be adversarial. Just uh, bring it up and talk about it. We recommend some other subjects for them, things they might want to look into and learn as well. And it's always good to, to spread the knowledge and spread the wealth. Uh, so that everybody is talking about these things and thinking about these things because they're just too important not to. And of course, one more suggestion you could always make is to have them check out the uh, podcast, have them check out the newsletter. These are things that come out every week with all sorts of great information in, and uh, can get people up to date and keep people aware of what's going on and uh, kind of keep them focused on these things. It's easy to, easy to forget about them after a while and uh, you know keep these things top of mind. And I will do my best to always bring to you the stuff you need to know in a way that makes sense and uh, tell you exactly what you can do about it in a way that's not that difficult. Okay, off my soapbox. I uh, hope you had a great holiday. hope you're having a great holiday. hope you're having a good break. And uh, until I talk to you next time, don't get caught with the drop down. Drop down.